0: Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
1: Domingo Santana,
2: who I want have
0: Friday and welcome into fantasy baseball today, presented by Line and Kugels. More on their great beverages later on in the podcast. The band is back together. Let's see if we make it through the entire podcast together. Uh, Frank Stanfield, joined by Scott White and Chris Towers today on the podcast. Week 14 sleepers, two star pitchers. The prospect report Are these players good? Zach Davies currently has a no hitter through six innings against the Dodgers. I repeat, Zach Davies, no hitter. Dodgers, but many, by six many Walker. Yes, many Walkers. That's five Walkers <laughs> and Walker <laughs> Bueller. We're gonna talk a lot about him too. Fantasy justice and more. No time to waste. Let's jump right in.
1: Oh my good, goodness gracious!
0: Shout out to everybody who left Apple Podcast ratings and reviews this week, supporting. Oh my goodness gracious! I see all of you and I appreciate you. Uh, let's start with Chris. How you doing, bud? Chris, let's go. Oh my goodness gracious! Standout from Thursday. Who you got?
1: Well, I guess we're going to do this every day with some pitcher. And today it's a Dodger again. So Walker Buehler uh, had a decent start today. Six innings, three and in runs, six strikeouts, two walks. Um, kind of like Trevor Bowers yesterday, actually. A little better control. But the biggest thing, he had maybe one of the most dramatic drops in spin rate that I've ever seen for a pitcher this season. His fastball... Uh, four-seam fastball spin rate was down 277 RPMs. His cutter was down 327. His knuckle curve was 339. His slider was 289. I mean, we're talking like when we've talked about a lot of these spin rate changes, we've been talking about like, well, his was down like 125 or his was down 150. And you know, this is, um, this is like a 10% or more drop for. It's more than 10% for all of his pitches except for the slider. So that is really, really significant. He also, unlike Trevor Bauer last night, was not throwing harder to make up for it. So, you know, it's like he only had 10 whiffs in this start on 103 pitches. Maybe those two things are related. It's still a one-start sample size, and you can't take too much out of it. And he was, you know, pitching... Very well up until that sixth inning when he gave up a, a two-run homer to Wilson Contreras with two outs. Um, if he had been able to get that out, we're probably talking about this game a little differently. But <laughs> you know, Walker Bueller. I mean, there's a there's a fine line between success and and something less than success in Major League Baseball for everyone. But in Walker Bueller's case. There have been warning signs in his profile all season long. I mean, he has the worst expected ERA of his career. uh, And I think that's not including tonight's start. He has the lowest strikeout rate of his career. He does also have one of the best walk rates of his career entering this start. So it's not all been bad, but, you know, he's looked a lot like the ace version of Walker Bueller that we've seen this season until you look under the hood. And then it's just a, a little bit off and, you know, with a dip in spin rate and, you know, maybe even fewer strikeouts, it's something to keep an eye on. As with all of this, I I hesitate to say anything definitive about what the impact will be on Walker Bueller's performance moving forward. But, you know, he was one of the biggest swing rate or spin rate gainers in baseball this season. So it's, you know, it's well, maybe he's something to watch. Maybe he's better off without the spin.
2: How, how much had he gained? I, I didn't even think to look at that with Walker Bueller. Um, uh,
1: actually, I guess it hadn't been as dramatic as I thought it was earlier. It's only been about 60 RPM over the course of the season, but that's yeah. also, you know, his velocity is down a mile and a half per hour from yeah. 2020. Um,
2: yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was down, I think, especially early. But yeah, I. I if he hadn't come out and pitched the sixth, it would have looked like a very typical Walker Bueller start. And as it was, it was still a quality start. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I don't it, it I, I agree this is the most dramatic drop in spin rate I've seen for a starting pitcher so far. Tyler Matzik, a reliever for the Braves, was like four hundred to five hundred <laughs> RPM. <laughs> <laughs> he was lost. On I his mean, pitches.
1: he's he's been one of those guys. Every time I look at a box score, tune into a Braves game, and he's in. I'm just like, where the where the heck did Tyler Matson start <laughs> doing all this stuff?
2: Yeah, um, this is obviously still an evolving situation. We've seen several pitchers lose a lot of spin for several starts now. We're seeing another round of pitchers lose spin, and even some from that first round are losing even more spin. I would guess because they were weaning themselves off the hard stuff with something like sunscreen and rosin or, you know, as opposed to just quitting cold turkey. So we still don't have a huge sample for any pitcher of of what this means performance-wise. The broad view, though, can you guys think of a pitcher who just looks broken because of this? A a starting pitcher anyway? Like, they've lost a lot of spin and now they appear broken. Trevor Bauer doesn't look as overpowering.
1: Yeah, Cole hasn't looked quite as overpowering. Bauer's probably the one that I would say just because of what we've seen from him in his career, I wouldn't say broken, but I'm getting pre-2020 Bauer vibes from him.
0: Yeah, he's he's probably the one that I worry about the most, though what you brought up the other day, Scott, it was since the middle of May, Garrett Cole's swinging strike rate has been right around league average, so that's obviously concerning. And I'm I'm not saying it has no effect, but
2: I, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of sticking with my original hunch that it's going to be kind of like when we see players busted for PED use where you know it's it's not like they're they come back and they're a deflated beach ball, you know. Yeah.
1: Like it's it's not like they suddenly don't know how to hit a well, baseball anymore. One thing I would say, just like as a general rule, if I had to like assign some kind of Like my prior, I guess my assumption of what this would mean would just, I think the biggest thing is it will probably make specifically fastballs less uh, effective at generating swings and misses. And that's something that we've seen over the last couple of seasons that, you know, spin rate on fastballs is highly correlated with whiff rate, you know, uh, a 25% whiff rate on a fastball is really, really good. If you can do that, I mean, Brandon Woodruff is kind of the king of fastball whiff rate, and he's usually in like the 28 to 30% range. But we see a lot of pitchers in that 25% range right now. And, you know, maybe we see pitchers have to rely on their fastball a little less. Maybe we see a few more walks because to is, generate the swings and misses, they have to throw their secondary stuff more, which can still be very effective, but obviously tougher to control. Which so is, I, it was a trend from a couple years ago
2: pitchers throwing way more yeah. breaking balls and I still think like from a you know, historical sense you see a lot more breaking balls oh yeah than ever before for for Walker Buehler specifically one reason I don't I, I'm not that concerned about the the drop and spin here is like he followed such a con- conventional development path you know like yeah Elite prospect, he comes up and he's a good pitcher right away. And he's been he's been like a good pitcher ever since ever, anybody heard his name. Yeah. And it, you know, it's not like he came out of nowhere and like, where did, how did how's this guy doing this? And and
1: also <laughs> the fact that, you know, the 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 spin rate, you know, who knows how whether it was making him more effective this season anyway. Yeah. You know, the, the underlying number is the the concern for me is not as much the spin rate as it is Like if he's throwing 95 with his fastball now, if that's his average fastball velocity or 94, which I think it was in this start. For me, the concern is more, you know, what does it look like when that catches up to him? You know, he's been, you know, if he's been able to get away with it so far, diminished velocity with increased spin rate. Now, if he's looking at diminished velocity and diminished spin rate, does that have kind of a duplicate duplicate? Double something effect, <laughs> duplicative. <laughs> I think is the word I was looking for. That sounds um, about right. Yeah, like maybe the 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 increased spin rate was covering up for less fastball effectiveness because of the velocity. That that's the thing I want to see. But I think the answer to all of these is we don't know. We need more data. Yes. Um. So you know that's where we're at right now. I think
0: uh, Walker Buehler's fastball did average ninety five point one miles per hour today little bit down from where he's been at the season, and overall it is down from where it was last year. I think there's still just going to be natural regression, and I don't know if people are going to point to the spin rates as a reason for it, but all of his ERA indicators are in the mid-threes, and at this point he's got a 2.51 ERA, so I think just looking at it, like natural regression was expected. He's not getting as many whiffs this year or strikeouts just in general, so I think that's worth... Noting as well, yeah. but Walker Bueller. Although it's it's not
2: like he actually had a higher xFIP last year
0: than he has this year.
2: Yeah, and the xERA is similar. So
1: it's um, worth noting th- for th-
2: really the swinging strike rate's not down that much. He's, he's never been like a huge swinging strike guy, Walker Bueller.
0: Yeah, yeah. Coming into the season, I would say we probably had among pitchers being drafted in the first, I guess, four rounds, four or five rounds. We had the biggest concerns about Glass now and Walker Bueller in terms of what their workload was going to be. Yeah. Bueller has made 15 starts. All 15 of them, he's gone six innings. That is. Only happened amazing. once last year. <laughs> that's amazing the fact yeah, that he's been yeah. that efficient and he's given you eight straight quality starts. So even with all of this that's going on, Walker Buehler has been really, really good. So I, I'm not lowering him in, our, in my rankings. I don't. It sounds yeah. like you guys aren't doing that either, but obviously we will continue to monitor his spin rate. Scott, your oh my goodness gracious player from Thursday.
2: All right, so I don't think we're going to spend 12 minutes on this one, but <laughs> Tony Centian <laughs> I hope of, the, of the Reds making his third <laughs> career start. It was by far his best one. He allowed one run on three hits in six innings, struck out eight, walked three, had 18 swinging strikes, including 13 on the slider. Basically just two pitches. He, he threw a few changeups too, uh, but not that many. You know, his first two starts were not anything that would r- raise anybody's interest. He Four walks in the first start, two home runs in the second start. Uh, in the minors at AAA this year, his numbers were good. 12.5K per nine. The walk rate was kind of high. The walk rate's been kind of high throughout his minor league career. Uh, and even in this start, three walks in six innings. He's also given up a lot of fly balls so far, and the Reds obviously play in a small ballpark. So I'm not saying Tony Santian is about to break through as a stud here, but he showed some potential, obviously, with that many whiffs. And uh, if you're hurting for pitching, it might be worth might be worth a flyer.
0: Tony Santian is six percent rostered on CBS, and it looks like he is in line for two starts next week at home for both against the Padres and the Cubs. I have waivers that run tonight on Thursday night when we we're recording this in a 15 team league. And I currently have a $3 bid in a $100 fab on Tony Santine again, 15 team Roto. So I think, uh, those are probably leagues where you should be looking at him. Chris, any interest in starting him with those matchups next week versus the Padres and the Cubs at home?
1: Uh, probably not with a guy who's giving up a lot of fly balls, you know, especially against the Padres. That's a team that can really hurt you. And, you know, you, you look at the profile, and it's kind of like a Wasker Noah light right now. Um, basically, all sliders, all fastballs, but he doesn't throw quite as hard as Inoa. And you know, Inoa was basically doing the Denos Lemet thing. Um, and one thing that all those pitchers have in common is lots of swings and misses, lots of strikeouts, but iffy commands that can bleed into poor control and also a, a lot of home runs and certainly a lot of risk of home runs. So, you know, Santian is a, a lesser version of those guys. I, I think he's, you know, probably pretty fringy for fantasy. Oh my goodness gracious for me, Akil Badu, we've talked about
0: quite a bit recently, but he went three for five with two doubles, now has 12 hits over his last seven games and he's batting 282 on the season with a 13% walk rate uh, and has led off back-to-back games for the Detroit Tigers. He is 29% rostered. The biggest issue I see, he's awful against lefties. He's gone three for 26 against them so far this season. And, you know, he probably won't play against them moving forward. But I kind of feel like in... maybe not 12-team leagues with five outfielders, but anything deeper, I... Would make sure that Akil Badu is rostered.
1: Yeah, I think even in a 12 team, uh, five outfielder league, okay. he, he's worth having on your team. You know, basically, you look at what he's done this season, he got off to a really good start and he was kind of one of the early season surprises. He went through a five for 50 slump uh, from about mid April to mid May, where he struck out 52% of the time. Oh my gosh. But since May 11th, he is now hitting 367 with 22 walks, 21 walks and 19 strikeouts. Wow. Um, The vast majority of those plate appearances have come against right-handed pitchers. He's got a 954 OPS against them and he's got six steals in his last 31 games in that span too. So, you know, you add it all up and he's not playing every day, but that still sounds like a pretty valuable player for a Roto league um, where stolen bases are so scarce. That I, I think he is worth having in a twelve-team five-five out, outfielder league as someone who you can slide into your lineup. And
0: it might be one of those situations, Chris, where it's better off that he doesn't play against lefties. Sure, he won't give yeah. you as much volume, but his batting average is going to be better if he only plays against
1: righties. Yeah, I mean that. Based on what we've seen right now so far in the majors, he's he's looking like an absolute righty masher, and. If he can settle in as a twenty percent strikeout rate guy against righties, like he has been, um, you know, for the last month and a half, there's a lot of value in that. If he can also be a, you know, a twenty-five to thirty stolen base pace guy, I wanted to bring up Daz Cameron as well, his
0: teammate, and we've talked about him recently. Former top prospect, top-ish. He's a former prospect. We'll call him that. Uh, he had two more hits with a walk in an RBI and a run scored on Thursday. He's four percent rostered. The Tigers have six games next week. He has started four of the last five games for Detroit, and in those four games, he has seven hits. So he's been pretty hot. Scott, any interest in Daz Cameron in deeper leagues? I I have 15 team, five outfielder leagues. I know you do too. I kind of feel like he should be rostered there.
2: Yeah, I mean, he might be getting to that point. He's a pretty undisciplined hitter, and even in the minor leagues, his production had dropped off a lot leading up to the promotion. Pretty good this year um, in 18 games. So, you know, maybe he's figured something out. There's obviously some speed there. Son of Mike Cameron, very athletic player, played a long time, was known mostly for his defense, but very fast, had some power. Underrated
1: player, Mike Cameron.
2: I, I think Daz Cameron is a... I mean, I don't think he's... It would be hard to rate as good defensively as his dad, but I think offensively he profiles pretty similarly, which isn't useless, but... You know, not going to be high-end either.
0: The Cubs have removed Zach Davies from the game with a no-hitter intact, and they still have a no-hitter through seven innings. Ryan Tepera came in in the seventh, so we'll update you on that throughout the course of the podcast. And someone else that was pulled in the middle of a no-hitter was Nick Pavetta, who, just give him a shout-out here at the top, part of the standouts from Thursday, uh, at the Tampa Bay Rays, six and two-thirds no-hit innings, two walk, eight strikeouts, 14 swinging strikes on 100 pitches. But even after this, his ERA is 4.00 on the season. Two starts next week versus the Royals at the Oakland A's. I'm not going to poo-poo it because it was a great performance, but Nick Pavetta's just kind of meh to me.
1: Uh, One thing I will point out is he did have... He's been throwing his slider less in the month of June because the results have been really bad on it. His best pitch today was the curveball, but the slider was very good today as well. And so... You know, if he can have the feel for both of those pitches, as you know, both uh, swing and miss and a strike throwing pitch, which he, you know, in in spurts has been able to do, especially early this season. Yeah, maybe there's something there.
0: 81 percent rostered Scott. A little sneak peek. Is he one of the two star pitchers you like for next week?
2: Um, I missed the name. Frank Nick Pavetta. Pavetta. Nick Pavetta. He wasn't, but that was before this start. His previous three starts were pretty awful. Um, So, I'm probably going to have to adjust my two star pitcher rankings for next year after this start, Uh, for next week week after this start,
0: especially given that this first matchup is against the Royals. Somebody who felt the wrath of Nick Pavetta most in this start was Wander Franco, who went 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. So, his first really bad performance. However, it did come with his first stolen base of the season. So, nice to see Wander Franco running, but strikeouts, hmm not so nice before we get to the news and notes reminder that you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you're watching us, that's youtube.com slash fantasy baseball today. And we have some programming updates on Thursday. We dropped a 20 minute video highlighting the top prospects in the MLB draft for those in dynasty leagues that are already thinking about first year player drafts for if you do it later this year, if you do it in the beginning of 2022. And when I say we, it was the Welsh Chris Chris, Welsh, and myself, who did those videos. Uh, obviously, you know Welsh used to host this podcast, super knowledgeable about all of baseball, but in particular, prospects. He knows knows quite a bit there, and on Friday, we'll have a longer video uh, that will come out with current top prospects, Wander Franco, Jaron Duran, Vidal Bruhan, and more. Um, again, that one was with the Welsh, and I'll drop the audio in the podcast feed as well. Well, we have an awesome giveaway for you. CBS Sports and Westinghouse are teaming up to give away a 55-inch TV, portable power station, and an air purifier over the next month. Go to cbssports.com slash homerun. That's H-O-M-E-R-U-N. To enter, we'll put the link in the episode description as well. Contest ends July 31st at cbssports.com slash home run. No purchase necessary. 18 or over must be located in the United States. News and notes from Thursday. Lucas Sims, might explain why he was so bad the other day, was placed on the I.L. with a right elbow sprain and is expected to miss the next three to four weeks. Is it TJ Antone? Is it Amir Garrett? No, 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 no. It's Brad Brock who picked up his first save since 2018. He's got a 2.63 ERA and a 1.17 WHIP. Zero percent rostered on CBS. (laughs) Any interest in Brad Brock?
1: If you're in like a 15 team league and you need saves, and you're, you know, that's the kind of thing where if if you're in a league where waivers run every night, put in a a claim on him and see. Just because. Garrett Garrett has done nothing this season to deserve a high leverage role frankly I mean his era is still over eight anton's been awesome but they don't seem to want to use him as a closer you know that they, they seem to value him in a multi- inning role and he did give up a run in this one to to make it a two run game so there's at least a I mean At the very least, Brad Brock got the most recent save. I don't know if that means he'll get the next one. That hasn't really been a reliable indicator for the Reds this season, but um, they had settled on roles before Sims injury, so maybe they'll just slot Brock in there.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Again, uh, David Bell and the Reds, they've kind of been all over the place all season long. Recently, it looked like it was going to be Lucas Sims, but if there are three lefties coming up in the ninth, can I tell you for for certain that... Amir Garrett's not going to be in there for the save. I can't, unless he was unless he yeah. pitched earlier in the game. So uh, keep that in mind, Brad Brock. Widely available. Actually available in every single CBS league. Corey Seager remains <laughs> on track to return in early July. John Means will likely be sidelined until after the All-Star break with that shoulder injury. Sonny Gray on the I.O. with a groin injury will now make his rehab start on Saturday after he woke up with a stiff back. He's dealt with back injuries over the past few seasons as well. Aaron Baseball Savalle.
1: players, they're just like us.
0: Yeah, who would have thought? Aaron Savale was officially placed in the IL. He'll miss the next four to five weeks with that sprained middle finger. His teammate Zach Plesac threw a 40-pitch bullpen session on Thursday and could start a rehab assignment soon. Max Free should return from the IL next Thursday. He's dealing with a blister on his left index finger. There's a good chance Brendan Belt lands on the IL with this knee injury. And I was going to say maybe go out and add Joey Barton in two catcher leagues in case he gets called up, but I did not realize that neither him nor Buster Posey have played a single game at first base this year. So not one. Not Who was a playing first
1: one. base when Belt was on the IL earlier this season? Oh, I think it was a
0: combination of Darren Ruff and Wilmer Flores. Was
1: he part of that rotation?
0: I don't. I couldn't tell you. It was uh, Darren Ruff. I'm, I'm blanking on. Uh, I'm blanking on the name, but uh, oh, oh, oh! I know it was Lamont Wade Jr., former that's who it Twins was. guy. Wasn't yeah, it Lamont? Lamont Wade Jr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Lamont Wade. That's it. Yep. <laughs> I
1: mean, those all sound like. Uh, I guess Darren Ruff could also play uh, first. I don't know. Th- those all sound like pretty terrible names, but given the way the last two seasons have gone for the Giants, they'll probably have like an 840 OPS.
0: Yeah. Mark Canna exited Thursday with a left hip strain. He'll undergo an MRI on Friday. Canna was replaced by our boy, your boy, Scott, Tony Kemp. And if anything happens to Canna, might mean more playing time for Kemp. Josh Donaldson returned to the lineup after missing five straight games. Josh Bell was scratched because of side soreness. Ryan Zimmerman has an 820 OPS this season for anybody In NL-only leagues, the Rays placed Taylor Walls on the IL with right wrist tendinitis. Christian Arroyo was placed on the IL with a right knee contusion retroactive to June 21st. Michael Chavis started and was leading off on Thursday. And Scott, it sounds like a good time to shift Kike Hernandez back to second base and call up
1: Jaron Duran. So I I guess my question with Duran is... Would they call him up before the Olympics? Because he's on the Olympic roster. He was he was away from the AAA team to play in the Olympic qualifiers. Would they be willing to call him up and say, "Hey, you're not playing in the Olympics"? Why wouldn't they? <laughs> I don't. I mean, I, just, they, they, I could just see like, if that's something Jaron Duran really wants to do. Yeah, I, you know, I, uh, I I think I
2: I don't know. I I don't know. The what the when he was on the Olympic qualifier team, the Red Sox beat writers, I, I saw several re- Red Sox beat writers say something to the effect of um, you know, this probably won't change the timeline of him getting called up at some point in June. So they weren't they weren't even granting the possibility that he might play in the Olympics. Okay. Um But I, I, I don't know. I haven't seen anything from Durant specifically. Like, Look, maybe if he's you had to been, be an American. You, yeah maybe yeah i I don't I don't know that that's going to come into play with the decision here and he's been so hot yeah uh, Duran has been over the past week plus he's got his batting average up near 300 now when it was down around 250 <laughs> uh when he first came back from from the the, the qualifier Olympic qualifier event
1: he had so. eight home runs in his first 199 games. he has 13 and 32 this season. Yeah, that's not counting how high he was in spring training.
0: Yeah, we saw him in spring, too. I mean, he looks bulked up, right? So he used to be known for mainly his hit tool, his speed. He had over 40 steals back in 2019. Comes back to spring training, guy's looking pretty jacked up. So he worked on his body, developed some power, and... It's um, change the
2: swing. Change the swing. Work with one of those famous hitting gurus. I can't remember which one,
1: but those guys.
2: One of one of those guys that's been cited as turning some other player around in the past.
1: And sounds like he's hungry like the wolf. (laughs) Oh man! Um, One of the things Scott said was he's so hot. Oh, I think I think the hitting coach's name is Rio.
0: Uh, all right, you can listen to our prospect uh, our prospect <laughs> updates with the Welsh where he goes in depth talking about Jaron Duran's ankles, if that's something that interests you as well. So, uh, yeah, check that out. Steven Matz threw about 60 pitches in a live batting practice on Thursday and is expected to start next week. Tucker Davidson was transferred to the 60-day IL with that left forearm injury. Scott White's prospect report came out on Thursday. You could find it on the site right now. I'll throw it in the... Podcast description, so you can follow along. And Scott, you started your prospect report talking about Bobby Witt Jr., who is in fuego. The guy is red hot right now at Double A. But in particular, you mentioned that Dayton Moore, the general manager of the Kansas City Royals, says that Adalberto Mondesi's injury will not impact Bobby Witt Jr.'s timeline.
2: Which is the obvious line to say. So you know it. It needs to be. It, it needs to be presented that this this is the official stance from the royals. Uh we talked about it when Adalberto Montesi got hurt, I suspect with at age 21 with the royals being eight or nine games back in the AL Central. Uh, a re- recently turned 21 by the way just earlier this month. I doubt he's going to skip Triple-A. I I think I think he's very close as hot as he's been in June and it, it you know it hasn't just been the fact that he's batting about 350, his strikeout rate is way down too. So I think he's on the verge of a promotion to AAA and it may only be a short stay at AAA before he gets called to the majors. Uh, I I did leave him out of my top five to stash. It might be the last week I leave him out of my top five to stash. I just, I thought there were five who were more like any day status than, than, uh, than Bobby Witt was. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's he's certainly making a push now. And uh, is really, really shown a lot of improvement in just two months' time.
0: Bobby Witt Jr. currently 50% rostered on CBS and the five that are on the verge of getting the call, according to Scott White, Jared Kelnick, Jaron Duran, Vidal Bruhan, Joe Adele, and Cal Raleigh, the catcher prospect for the Seattle Mariners, who we spoke about in depth last week. Joe Adele... The guy's hitting for a ton of power. He's got 16 home runs. He's batting 271, but he still has a 32% strikeout rate. Even if you look at it month over month, he's not improving. It's still, it's been over 30% each month so far. So I don't know Mm -hmm. if they're technically working on his swing with him in the minors or they're just like, Hey, go figure it out. But whatever they're trying, it's not really working because you call him up with a 30% strikeout rate in AAA. What's going to happen in the majors? 35%, 40%? Yeah, Yeah,
2: I mean, yeah, that's a good point. I I can't imagine they leave Joe Adele in the minors all season long after he got called up last year, and I think he's still currently leading the minors in home runs. So it it may just be that he's going to be a guy who strikes out a ton and there's no way around it. I I, I do think there's going to be less urgency here to call him up soon because Taylor Ward's already started, you know, actually producing at the plate a little bit in June and Mike Trout is inching ever closer to a return and and then what will the incentive be to call Adele up? I don't know. Uh, I may be close to moving Bobby Witt ahead of Adele in, in terms of how I prioritize them in uh, in redraft leagues. But I'm not quite there yet. I, I still wouldn't be terribly surprised if we found out tomorrow that Joe Adele is coming up.
0: The five prospects on the periphery. Edward Cabrera, a starting pitcher with the Marlins. Reed Detmers, a starting pitcher with the Angels. Gabriel Moreno, a catcher for the Blue Jays. Ethan Small, a pitcher for the Brewers. And Kevin Smith, a shortstop for the Blue Jays. Chris, real quick on Edward Cabrera, uh, obviously prospect for the Marlins. And I saw last year, heading into 2020, within Marlins circles, that some people thought Edward Cabrera could be better than 6 Sanchez. What do you think?
1: Yeah, it wasn't necessarily the consensus viewpoint, but it wasn't a super unpopular one. And, you know, one thing that I I looked up was um, some reports of what he was doing at the alternate site. And there were some indications that he had really taken a step forward with his changeup at the alternate site. And he was already, you know, a guy who throws in the high 90s with a very good slider. So if he's got a changeup now that he can throw consistently, you know, that could make him a very, very viable starting pitcher. He's probably the Marlins' second, I guess, third-best starting pitching prospect, depending on how you view 6-0 Max Meyer, their first-round pick last year, um, is considered the top one. But Cabrera, I mean, you know, the Marlins, as good as the top three has been, they've been kind of rotating some guys through the last two spots, so it wouldn't surprise me if Edward Cabrera got called up in a few weeks. You know, he's only thrown 10 innings so far this season because he was dealing with a nerve issue. Um, So that's, you know, that's the bigger issue right now. You know, he's not someone to stash yet.
0: We are going to take a quick break, but when we return, we're going to help you get ready for next week. Next here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Robert
2: Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
0: The week 14 pitcher and hitter planners presented by Line and Kugels and in terms of scheduling, it's a very busy week. Next week, 17 teams have 7 games. 12 teams have six games, and one lonely team has five games next week. That is the Tampa Bay Rays, and I think you can bench guys like Brandon Lau and Joey Wendell, who are kind of fringy at this point. I would keep Randy Arena in the lineup and Wander Franco. The one that I'm kind of on the fence here, Chris, what do you think about Austin Meadows, five games, three against lefties, who he has been awful against this year?
1: Yeah, I, I think you probably want to sit him. I, I think if you were going to rank all the outfielders, Austin Meadows with five games, three against lefties, probably doesn't make it inside the top fifty for next week.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a pretty rough rough week there for Austin Meadows and the Tampa Bay Rays. Wander
1: guys. Franco
2: did strike out three times Thursday. Yeah, I think he also stole a base. Yeah, um, so I don't know. We we got another weekend to see if if he. Uh, if he deserves to be started in this five game week.
0: Let's jump into the two start pitchers. Scott, who are you looking at for week fourteen?
2: Okay. So two start pitchers, Jamison Tyone, who just turned in one of his best starts of the, was it his
0: best start of the season? It was only his second quality start of the season.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I know it had been a while since he had one of those. It was against it was against the Royals. He went six in a third innings, allowed one earned run, struck out six. His spin rates have been fine for what it's worth. Uh, his performance hasn't been fine this season, but um I I, I don't know. I, I I think I think there's a chance he starts to to get in a groove here because like the the pure stuff still looks pretty good. And uh two two start week, Angels and Mets. So he's pretty high on the list here. Chris Flexen, who we mentioned, is on a nice run. Uh the last two starts this week, he strikes have been way up too. Not totally trusting in him in a long-term sense, but two-start week. One of them is against the Rangers. So he's kind of interesting. Danny Duffy's in line for two starts. I don't know that... It might be a three-inning start and a four-inning start, but certainly stuff-wise, he looked awesome in his return Wednesday. And, uh, you know, if you can live without getting a win from him, just the fact he lines up for two starts, might not be a bad play. Uh, Caleb Smith... At St. Louis, that's a good matchup versus San Francisco. That one, not so much, but he he has good numbers. He's he's been putting out quality delivering quality starts or at least like an inning shy of quality starts since moving into the rotation. I don't trust him much at all, frankly, because his he he doesn't look as overpowering as he did in his most the days of his of of peak interest for Caleb Smith with the Marlins. He hasn't looked like that. So, I'm skeptical, but two-star week, one good matchup. I think he deserves to be on the list here. Some one-star pitchers. We got Ross Stripling, who I'm I'm starting to come around on Ross Stripling. I was reading an article from earlier this month about how the Blue Jays discovered he was tipping his pitches earlier this year. And if you look at the swinging strike rate over the entire, I think it's five, six-appearance stretch uh, you know, with, over which the turnaround has taken place. The swinging strike rate for that whole span is similar to his good years with the Dodgers. One start is, has a lot to do with that. I think he had like 18 swinging strikes in one start, and if you take that out, okay, it doesn't look so great. But you combine that with the, the pitch-tipping story, and, and maybe Ross Stripling is figuring it out. He goes against the Rays. Uh, Logan Gilbert against the Rangers. Jake Odorizzi. At Cleveland. Right, coming off a nine strikeout effort. He looks like he's coming around. JT Baker. he's always on this list and he's going against the Brewers and he had nine strikeouts last time. Yeah, I think that those would be my favorite one start guys.
0: JT Brubaker is like the CJ Crone of your sleeper pitchers. Oh, yeah. You've always got to have my, him on the list. Yes, who
2: my number one sleeper hitter is this week. Oh,
0: seven games for the Rockies next week at home, I can uh, only guess. Uh, Chris, uh, Jamison Tyone, who we spoke about, coming off his best start of the season on Thursday against the Royals, he's 61% rostered. Scott mentioned the matchups, Angels, and Mets at home. Surprisingly enough, Tyone has a 3.29 ERA at home. Do you consider Jamison
1: Tyone a must-add if he was dropped in your league? No, certainly not a must-add. Um I have enough questions about both how effective he'll be in the short term and you know how high the upside really is um that he's not not someone that if he's on the waiver wire i'm I'm making a a huge effort to go get, but he's fine to add I don't think he's a must start guy with two starts either.
0: Scott, some sleeper hitters for next week. you already kind of alluded to one which I assume is Jonathan Daza, of course.
2: <laughs> no, CJ um, who really heated up last week when the Rockies were at home and some way splits, look about what you'd expect for a Rocky setter. So not only are the Rockies at home, but I think the tough, toughest pitcher they're facing in those seven games at home next week is Adam Wainwright. The second toughest is like, I don't know, Carlos Martinez, who's been pretty awful this year. So really good matchups for the Rockies why I also like Brendan Rogers. He's my number 2 sleeper hitter for this upcoming week. His June numbers look great by the way and he's been playing close to every day. Uh, I think I think he might be having an uh, 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 might be sneaking under the radar because it hasn't been like this, wow, Brendan Rogers hit 6 home runs in 12 games, but you know, he's just he's just uh contributing in a, a steady way there. Abraham Toro has been Solid as a replacement for Alex Bregman, and the Astros have the third-best hitter matchups this week. Uh, Hunter Renfro. You look at his lefty-righty splits. The Red Sox are facing four lefties in seven games this week, so it seems like a, it seems like he might be a dis- decent play. I like the Brewers matchups this week. They're the fifth-best hitter matchups, and I have Luis Arias, who's come around in June. I have him on this list. Willie Adames, Colton Wong. I couldn't quite fit him in, but Avi Garcia, I, I don't think, is a bad play with these matchups. He has he has gone back to slumping in June after a very strong May, so I'm not as not as high on him, but you know, not a bad play if you need an extra outfielder.
0: Nice to see Chris's boy Willie Adams on that list. We spoke about him quite a bit on yesterday's podcast, and just to round out those five teams with the best hitter matchups, that includes the Rockies, the Cardinals, the Astros, the Angels, and the Brewers and the five teams with the worst hitter matchups, the Rays, the Cubs, the Twins, the Dodgers, and the Nationals. So there you have it, the Week 14 Pitcher and Hitter Planners presented by Leinenkugels, and And the weekend is here. I'm feeling a little Lemon lemon Haze IPA. It's a well-balanced, hazy IPA that blends hops with delicious lemonade, and truthfully, I'm not really big on IPAs, but this one is different. I actually really really enjoy it. Big big fan of the Lemon Haze IPA from Line and Kugels and of course the uh, Lemon Haze IPA is not all they offer. They also have their Session Hellas which has all the flavor of a crisp German style beer but it's only 99 calories and of course the goat, the Line and Kugels Summer Shandy, awesome blend of crisp beer with refreshing lemonade that fits perfectly when watching a baseball game either live at the game or on your television because I can confirm both. They have it at City Field. Shout out to City Field. Great taste in beer. So no matter what type of beverage you are craving, Line and Kugels has you covered. Just head on over to Liney.com. That's L-E-I-N-I-E.com or follow Line and Kugels on Instagram or Facebook for more information about all of the delicious beers that they brew. I realize that we are about 40 minutes in here and we have not mentioned uh, Kyle Schwarber, who is
1: just I mean ridiculous. Like, we're we're reaching the point where Kyle Schwarber hitting a home run is a it's a dog bites man story. Let me know when Kyle Schwarber doesn't hit a home run.
0: Seriously, right? It's the guy is on a tear right now. A double dong on Thursday. He's now up to twenty one home runs for the season. He has eight home runs over his last five games. And since May first, Schwarber has a ninety two mile per hour exit velocity with a nineteen percent barrel rate. That was entering Thursday. I assume it only went up after hitting two more home runs. The league average, if I'm reading this correctly, if one of you guys want to confirm, the league average barrel rate is six and a half percent. Does that sound right? It sounds low. That sounds low. It sounds um, yeah. It sounded low when I saw it too. But I might be reading it wrong. Uh, either yeah, way, let me look into that. Kyle Schwarber is destroying baseballs right now. The reason why we didn't talk about him earlier, I mean, it's not really much else to say, right? It's like. He's already owned in your league, I assume. Rostered in your league. He
1: he has 12 home runs in his last 13 games. It's ridiculous. He's he did 80. nine homers in his first 51. He's and now he's, what, fourth in baseball? Uh, mm.
0: That sounds right. I know Vlad hit another one on Thursday. He's up to 24. That's his league leading. But Schwarber's 87% rostered. He might be out there in some 10-team leagues. So if he is, as long as he's this, that yep. needs to be universally rostered. And
1: after...
2: There are a lot of hitters having ridiculous months of June. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the entire Astros lineup, we could start there. And I know I, I said that in May too, like, oh wow, look at all these hitters having a great May. And you know, obviously it's not a universal thing. There are some hitters having a bad month of June, too. That's just always the way it is. But it's stunning when you, when you look at when you, when you look at, isolate certain players' numbers just to June like you can tell we're playing in a very different environment right now because they just look positively loopy especially especially compared to the numbers we were seeing in Ma- in April.
1: Yeah, I mean the the league wide OPS in April was like 690 ish, like 694 maybe. So far in June, this was en- entering yesterday it was 731. So it's that's that's a pretty significant difference.
2: Gary Sanchez is batting over 300 in June. Yeah, Gary
1: Sanchez looks great right now. His swing yeah. looks, looks completely fixed. Yeah, someone yeah.
0: pointed out to me on Twitter that he's lessened his leg kick, which if you've ever watched Gary Sanchez, he has one of the biggest yeah. leg kicks in baseball, and it constantly messes with his timing. So, you know, if he lessens that, it makes it kind of like a toe tap thing instead. Helps with his timing, and yeah, he's just absolutely destroying balls. His line drive rate and fly ball rate are both way up for the month of June. Strikeout rate still around like 29%, so I think that's expected with Gary Sanchez, but he is crushing the ball right now. Let's talk a little bit more about right. those Astros. Yes? Uh, 8.1% is league average barrel rate. 8.1%, yeah, so 19% barrel rate for Kyle yep. Schwarber since May 1st. It's real that's good. Ridiculous. Uh, the Cubs, by the way... Still have a no-hitter through nine innings. A combined no-hitter, Zach Davies, Ryan Tepera, and Andrew Chafin. I assume Craig Kimbrell will be in the ninth. So let's see what happens there. Uh, The Astros just wanted to get back to them real quick. I know that they faced the Orioles and the Tigers this week, but like after a down season last year, their lineup is back in full force, no doubt in my mind. They lead MLB with 5.74 runs per game, and it's not close. The Dodgers are second- 5.14. So that is like a huge discrepancy. Uh, They had seven hitters with multiple hits on Thursday, including Yordan Alvarez, who is heating up. He had a grand slam, his third home run in the last four games. And this is the second time that I'm going to bring up Miles Straw this week. But (laughs) I think in categories leagues, the guy just went four for six, picked up his 10th steal of the season. He's batting 329 in June now. He's 23% rostered. They have amazing matchups last week, as you highlighted, Scott. Uh, they're going up against the Orioles and the Cleveland beat-up pitching staff. I think in five outfielder leagues, or you know, even shallower category leagues, if you need steals, I like Miles Straw. He's started 11 straight games. It's cheap exposure to the best lineup in baseball.
2: Yeah, I can see it. I I hate starting the powerless guy. Yeah, e- even in a five outfielder league, I just. It just seems like you really need to make up ground with a bunch of other hitters, and that's hard to do. It's especially hard to make that change in midseason. But he doesn't look, he doesn't look totally useless. Yeah, the lineup's been ridiculous. I mean, I, I, we talked about it. Jose Altuve's back to being my number one second baseman. There's no second baseman I want more than Jose Altuve. Carlos Correa's back to being a stud shortstop. <laughs> Michael Brantley just had his sixth straight multi-hit game. He's batting over 500. In June. Over 500.
0: Oh,
1: my goodness.
2: And I think a couple weeks uh, ago, I pointed out how ridiculous his expected batting average is. It's like, I don't know, maybe even higher now. I think it was 360 at the time. Kyle Tucker. You look at his numbers since April. It was terrible in April. But since then, he's been, you know, like a first-round caliber bat. <laughs> and, he, and since coming back from the IL, remember he lost 10 pounds because of that stomach bug? Two multi-hit games. Back to back since returning. So he he seems to be fine.
0: Yeah. yeah. And one Vaspers of my look- one of my predictions coming into the season, I guess bold bolder predictions, was that Carlos Correa would be this year's Corey Seager. And I don't know that he's been that good, but man, he's been he's been really, really good. And I don't know how I really liked Altuve and Correa, and I don't have many of them, like many shares of either. So I don't I don't know how that happened, but I did like the value on both of them coming into the season. Uh, real quick, the most underrated lineup duo in baseball is from the Pirates. Adam Frazier and Brian Reynolds each had three more hits and a home run on Thursday. Frazier is batting 330 while Brian Reynolds is batting 313. I think two of the biggest steals this season who you might have added, you could have added each of them. I think they were both widely available well into April, maybe even May. And I think they've been one of the most underrated duos in baseball. And I was trying to think of a nickname. I spent way too much time trying to figure this out. <laughs> but um, I got two like pretty cool submissions on Twitter. One came from at FF Danny Doinks. And he said, Bradham Razor, which is <laughs> yeah. our, you know, our former host, Adam thought That was pretty good. Bradham Razor. Uh, and then this one from at Pitfan1852. The Babbitt Bandits. That is great. I mean, as the Pirates, they're two. Of, these two are top 12 in baseball in batting average on balls in play. So moving yeah. forward, Adam Frazier and Brian Reynolds, the Babbitt Bandits. I love it. Are any of these guys good? We'll start with Joe Ross. He was at the Marlins, seven shutout with eight strikeouts. He does have a quality start in three of his last four starts. He is 34% rostered. Chad Cool was at the Cardinals, six innings, one run, only two strikeouts. He has a quality start in three of his last four. JC Mejia for the for Cleveland, he was at the twins, six innings, one run, six strikeouts. Uh he is five percent rostered. Chris, are any of those names good? Joe Ross, Chad Cool, JC Mejia.
1: I think Ross is probably the most interesting of the group and but
0: you, you won't know, say that's you won't say good. You'll say interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think I mean I, I think he can be, but maybe that's me sticking to the fact that I thought he was really good back in, like, 2016. But, yeah, no, he's been good recently. Quality starts in three of the last four. He's allowed, I think, four earned runs in that time, 26 strikeouts, four walks, so, you he's know. He's been
2: about as two-faced as Andrew Heaney, I feel like. Yeah. Joe Ross has. Like, he one- either he either throws at a gym or he gives up eight earned runs, and that's why his ERA is over four for the year, even though it yeah. seems like he keeps churning out these kinds of starts.
1: One um, thing that I do think is promising is I, I think he had 108 pitch start two starts ago, and then they way limited him at the next start out. But, you know, he's consistently been throwing decent pitch totals. And given the fact that he's dealt with a ton of injuries, that, that seems like a pretty good sign that, you know, they trust him right now. Yeah, he threw
0: over 100 pitches in this start as well. And during that four-start stretch where he had three quality starts, 26 strikeouts to just four walks. So he really is limiting the walks, something that hurt him earlier in the season. Uh, some hitter leftovers from Thursday. Whit Field went one for three and his 21st steal of the season. He's now 21 for 22 on the base paths. Aaron Judge has been a little bit cold but he went 3 for 3 with his 16th home run. Gary Sanchez, we mentioned, has an 11-0-6 OPS in June, went 2 for 5 with his 13th homer. Luke Voigt has homered in 2 of 3 games since coming off the IL. It actually could have been 3 straight games. He just missed a home run, which was a turned out to be a walk a walk-off single on Wednesday. Matt Olson had two more hits against the lefty. He's batting over 300 against lefties this season. Matt Olson, guys, ridiculous. Lourdes Gurriel went one for four with a grand slam, his eighth home run of the season. Jazz Chisholm went two for four with his ninth homer. And since he returned from the IL back in mid-May, he is batting 231 with a 31% strikeout rate, a 60% ground ball rate, and a 20% infield fly ball rate. Chris, should we be benching Jazz Chisholm for now?
1: I think benching him is fine. I had someone ask if they should drop him for Brandon Rogers. That'd be a tough call. I don't think I would do it. I would hope I have a player with less potential than Jazz because I mean even with his struggles he's still on close to a 30 homer 25 steal pace for the season. But the the strikeout rate has been a concern. I think the play discipline is going to be an issue moving forward. I I had hoped he had kind of figured that out a little bit early on but um you know it does look like it's going to be something he battles.
0: Freddie Freeman went two for five with his 17th home run. He has six hits over his last two games. So, all right, Freddie Freeman, let's turn it on. Same thing with Juan Soto, who we spoke about yesterday. Jonathan India went two for four with two doubles, a walk, and three runs scored. Ho-hum. Jonathan India, we talk about him every day. He's batting three hundred two over his last 37 games. Scott, I don't know why, but he's still just 65% rostered. I'm trying, Frank. I'm trying
2: to get that. I, I, there's nobody I've hyped harder over the past three weeks than Jonathan India, and he, he keeps he keeps justifying it. Yeah, I, I see no reason why the Reds wouldn't have him continue to hit lead off as as good a job as he's done getting on base. He looks he looks like a good player,
0: a good player. That Jonathan India, the captain, Jonathan India. I wonder if he still walks out to the Pirates of the Caribbean theme song. He has. Not a curly mustache, but it's kind of like a piratey mustache. Uh, some pitching leftovers from Thursday: Chris Bassett at the Rangers, seven innings, one run, four strikeouts. His slider was down 205 RPM, so notable. Uh, Luis Garcia at the Tigers, six innings, two runs, five strikeouts. After failing to throw a quality start in his first nine starts, he now has five quality starts in his last six, and he has a 2.83 ERA on the season. Jose Barrios. Against the against Cleveland, six and a third, one run, two walks, nine strikeouts. He has a three point four one ERA, but it just kind of feels like Jose Barrios has been worse than that. I don't I don't know if you guys feel that same way, but
1: Mm -hmm. has he been like really good lately? He has quality starts
0: in four of his last five.
1: Yeah, because it did yeah, in like mid-May his ERA was closer to four. Mm -hmm. So he he's He's got a 303 ERA over the last five. I guess that was entering tonight. So it's even lower than that. So I guess that's probably why it feels like he's been worse. And also, he's been steadier. So it feels like he's been worse. Yeah. And also, yeah. so many guys had much lower ERAs at that point in the season that it kind of probably right. made him seem worse than he was. Yeah. We should probably talk a little bit about Zach
0: Davies, who did throw six no-hit innings, five walks to four strikeouts. So, all right, against the Dodgers. It's a very odd line, but he's 38% Uh. rostered, and he's at Milwaukee next week. Revenge game. Scott, any interest in Zach Davies as a single-start streamer? I mean, I thought about him
2: to round out my 10 sleeper pitchers for next week. Ended up going with Sam Long at Arizona instead. That was, of course, before... I saw the results from this game, but I don't know. He walked five. He's he entered the start with four point four walks per nine, and he's not a strikeout guy. He's one of the worst strikeout pitchers in. Ba- like I don't. Yeah, I I don't I don't really see what there is to be enthusiastic about with Zach Davies.
0: This has John Gant written all over it. Zach Davies is a better well, ex- pitcher than John except- Gant, but. Except
1: that Davies already has
2: a 431 ERA and a whip around 1.5. So,
1: like, Davies at his best has good control. So, Davies throwing six shutout innings with, what was it, five walks? Yeah. Yeah. That's really, really hard for me to get excited about. Yeah. All right, the calls of the pen, some bullpen updates.
0: The Tampa Bay Rays had JP Fireison pitch in the ninth inning in a tie game. He faced the heart of the Red Sox lineup. On the other side, Matt Barnes allowed a run in a tie game, took his second loss of the season. I believe it came on a wild pitch. For Cleveland, James Karinchak got his ninth save, Emmanuel Class A. Hasn't pitched since June twenty first, so I think he could have been available. I didn't see any updates saying that he wasn't. Um, Karinchak has the last two saves for Cleveland. Emmanuel Class A had the two saves before that. So whoever (laughs) you think is going to get the next save, flip a coin and let me know because (laughs) there's no rhyme or reason that I can tell for Cleveland's bullpen. The streamers for the weekend. To stream or not to stream, we'll start with Friday. John Gray's return at the Brewers. Griffin Canning at Tampa Bay. John Lester at the Marlins. Kwang Hyun Kim versus the Pirates. Johnny Cueto versus the A's and Dane
1: Dunning versus the Royals. I think yesterday I said Lester and Gray were kind of on an island on their own. And maybe this group of pitchers has made Scott nauseous given his reaction. I just, I just wonder who lives this way.
2: (laughs) Who who honestly (laughs) is out there choosing between these pitchers to start on Friday? Cause it wouldn't be me.
1: I think John Lester could have a good start against Miami. So I, 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 I'm saying you just uh, got to get through their two good hitters.
2: I'm thinking Griffin Canning's my favorite here, actually, just just because I think he's the best pitcher.
0: I don't hate Kwanghyun Kim versus the Pirates, so. There you go. Between the three of us, we give you four different suggestions, and, and Scott actually hates all of them. For Saturday, Shane McClanahan. This is actually a better list. Shane McClanahan yeah. versus the Angels. Adrian Hauser at home versus the Rockies. Alex Cobb at the Rays. Revenge game. JT Brubaker at the Cardinals. Antonio Senzatella at the Brewers. And uh, whatever. Zach Thompson versus the Nationals. It's always
2: Brubaker. No, I mean, obviously Shane McClanahan.
0: First. Yeah, McClanahan, he shouldn't be a streamer. Yeah. He's less um, than 70% rostered, too. It's him and Jonathan India. Come on, get that up. We have to get those roster rates yeah. higher for both. I mean,
1: McClanahan, he's a no-brainer in any points league where you can start him as an RP. And even in Roto Leagues, given how many injuries there are, like you're telling me you can't find room for this guy in your roster? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I do think I had
2: Baker at St. Louis and Hauser... Against the Rockies, so not a course field. I do think I had them both on my 10 sleeper pitchers entering the week. So, definitely, Saturday is definitely a better day for streaming than Friday is. Didn't mention the
1: second best pitcher among this group. Oh, man. There's a guy with a 29% strikeout rate, a 7% walk rate, and a 61% ground ball rate. Is it Zach Thompson? Alex Cobb (laughs) has been by the ways that we traditionally understand pitching in the sabermetric era, has been really, really good this season. Nope. And he's got a good matchup. The Rays aren't good against right-handed pitchers. Nope. Nope. Start Alex Cobb. Nope. Six innings, eight strikeouts, guaranteed.
0: Nope. Whoa. Nope. I'm looking at it right now. A 2.40 FIP. A 2.59 XFIP. A 3.07 Sierra. Been there before with Alex Cobb. Not doing not really, it. really, though. Not doing it. Sunday. If you want to trust Chris, then, then start He Alex hasn't
1: Cobb. had a fit below four since 2014 when he had a 287 ERA. Alex Cobb. Keep sleeping on Alex Cobb. That's all I'm going to say. That's yeah.
0: all I'm going to say. All right. Sunday, to stream or not to stream, Cole Irvin at the Giants. Sam Long versus the A's. Brady Singer at the Rangers. Ross Tripling versus the Orioles. Patrick Sandoval at the Rays and Jake Odorizzi at the Tigers.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Uh, Russ, Russ Stripling against the Orioles. So I can get I'm can be enthusiastic about him genuinely.
0: Odorizzi at the Tigers, I have no problem with. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, good I guess too. So. Odorizzi, that,
1: that's probably the one. And
0: yeah. eh, if I had to choose a third, Patrick Sandoval at Tampa Bay. Though I do like Stripling and Odorizzi. Quite a bit more. Let's wrap up the week with some fantasy justice. Chris? Hey. I just played. Yeah. yeah. All right. There you go. This one's from Sam French, who was actually in our podcast points league points league one of our podcast leagues last year recently one of the teams one of the teams in my league offered me nelson cruz and the cubs just finished off the no-hitter a combined no-hitter for the cubs against the los angeles dodgers okay Uh, recently one of the teams offered me nelson cruz for alec manoa and shane McClanahan. i took that offer happily Feeling like I got the better end of the deal. But he was in need of pitching even before his ace glass now went down. He's been in the league forever and is great. If he wants to make the deal, that's his call. That night, Byron Buxton, who was on his team, got hit in the hand and broke it. The next morning, he texted me asking to cancel the trade because of the injury and also saying he hadn't meant to offer it in the first place. If he had said that when I first accepted it, I would have canceled but basically 24 hours had passed before he brought it up. I didn't want to cancel the trade, but figured that considering I was the commissioner and involved with the league, I might be biased. I offered him two alternatives to me outright canceling the trade. One, we could pick it up, uh, put it up to vote to the league and let the majority decide. Or two, we could pick an unbiased member of the league to act as a de facto commissioner. I thought that was more than fair. He said he would prefer one, but that if the trade went through, he would likely stop playing for the rest of the year. Oh, Oh, In the interest of peace, I caved and voted against my own trade, giving him the numbers he needed to squash it. Was I being unfair here, or was he being unreasonable? I I love it when someone's
2: own participation is used as leverage. Like... (laughs) Just so childish.
1: Like, what? (laughs) Look, the commissioner handled this the right way. Uh, That guy's being a baby. There's no Uh, way that you reverse this trade. There's no way. the, The, oh, he texted me asking me to cancel the trade because of the Byron Buxton injury, and also he never meant to offer it in the first place. Like, come on, buddy. Come on, buddy. I was born... In the morning, but not earlier this morning. Yeah, uh,
2: that, that sounds like, like a, a, a like a backup argument you bring in when you're losing the initial argument. You know, I never meant to offer it in the first yeah, place. like
1: that's like, come on, buddy. Yeah. Like, come on. That's
0: uh, I, I wouldn't
1: have reversed it. Even, like, even if I was the commissioner. The, I'm fine with the commissioner doing it. That's a very selfless act. He didn't have to. But if that guy was going to throw a temper tantrum... Commissioner does have to operate in the best interest of the league. Boo. Boo. Boo to whoever did that. That But like make fun of him and like make sure the league knows that he was being a big baby. Maybe change like the cover image of your league to a Photoshop of him in like a bonnet with a (laughs) pacifier.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So to answer your question, the person you traded with was being unreasonable, Sam. So make sure you you let him listen to this and know that that was the case. All right. Justice has been served.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, whoa. All right. For Chris and Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again on Monday. Bye-bye.